Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to a rather dejected Forza Italian football podcast this week. At least one third of us is dejected. Um, yeah, let's, let's just get the introductions out of the way. I'm Connor Clancy and I'm joined by Luca Gumby. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that one third. Uh, I'm buzzing. I, I thought beforehand when you were saying you didn't want to do it that you were just putting it on, but it was quite convincingly sad hello that you came in with, so... Yeah, let, let's get cracking. It should be fun with you uh, being miserable and there for poking and winding up. Yeah, so it, it Nick's just dropped out there, so it's it's going to be a two-man show for the rest of the hour. Um, <laughs> no, sadly, Nicholas Carroll is here with us as well. Nick, go on. I'm alive. I'm very ecstatic. Um, Look, I'm not gonna. Tr- I'm gonna try not to rub it in too much, Connor. I will well, try and be professional days, tonight. Yeah. But um, yes, what a win! Amazing, incredible. I'm. I'm very excited to talk Serie A tonight. Yeah, we'll come to it. But um, right, let's. I'll try and lift my spirits a bit. Let's talk about Juventus in the Champions League, shall we? They they're through to the quarterfinals. It could have been a potential banana skin against Porto, but. They won the first leg two 0 and then coming back to Turin, it was kind of more or less job done. I think they f- finished one all last night. I turned off because I don't know if you guys were watching. There was someone blowing a whistle in the crowd for the whole game, and it was no joke the most irritating thing I've ever heard. And then I switched channel, and Robbie Savage was commentating on the Leicester game, so um, I stuck it out anyway with Leicester, uh, and that was some game. But Nick. Who do you think Juventus will fancy? Buffon has said he doesn't want Leicester because they're so tricky, but who will the Bianconeri want in the next round? Um, um, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone, anyone, to, anyone to be honest. 
they'll be hoping for. Um, I mean, at this stage of this uh, this stage of the competition, I think they've just got to take it for whatever they want, um, for whatever comes. Sorry, um, quarterfinals, incredible, and we've got the likes of Leicester City and Monaco, um, Man City out, Sevilla out, some massive teams out. So there's a lot of positivity, I guess you could say, around. Um, Maybe Juventus, given that, I mean, anything seems to happen this season. Um, it's been one of the most exciting Champions League um, seasons for as long as I can remember. Well, since 2010 anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I'm not going to put any teams out there, but I'm just looking forward to the draw. Yeah, Luca, you said, I think it was you that said earlier on in the season that You'd probably fancy Juventus more against the bigger sides than you would against the likes of Porto. So do you think they can now go all the way and win it? We've kind of spoken about this a little bit before the the round of 16 was played out, but Luca, what are your thoughts on Juventus's chances now? Yeah, I think for the, the past few weeks, I've actually started to think that they will win it. I, I can see them as winners. I think in some ways they're the most sort of complete team. They've got one of the most like sort of, I don't know, like consistent identities about them. They haven't changed so much. They've got a lot of depth and obviously Barcelona with that kind of comeback they had against PSG was a really sort of dramatic, incredible story. But I think perhaps in some way the fact that they had to do that going down for them in the first leg shows they've got weaknesses, they could be beaten and Juventus will be up for it against either Real Madrid or Barcelona, those big teams. So I know Buffon said they didn't fancy Leicester, but they are clearly sort of objectively a better team than Leicester do, so they should be able to get over past them in two legs. And Madrid had some difficulties in Napoli, whereas I think Juventus probably are the less... They're not as sort of sexy as the Spanish teams, really, or even Monaco, who are as like attacking and can score goals and all these young players. But I think sort of Juventus are probably kind of most consistent, and they they can sort of get through. And I think it probably shouldn't really matter that much to them who they who they draw. As kind of Nick said, they they should be able to think that they can beat any of them at this stage, and especially with their home record, that no one's going to want to put it through enough in there. Then they're not quite that top European elite uh, tier at the moment, but even recently they've given Bayern very close runs, and there's no real reason why they can't go on to win it. Yeah, I think their home form will play a huge part, and as you said, nobody's want to go. Nobody will want to go to Turin, especially now that their fans have decided to um, copy the Napoli tradition of shouting the champions bit at the Champions League anthem. I don't know if you guys have seen that. But um, we'll we'll move on from the Champions League and Juventus were in action on Friday night in Serie A and they beat me off 2-1. It was a 178th minute penalty from Paolo Dybala or something <laughs> similar. Uh, we're not going to talk about the referees though because we don't like that and we've spoken about referees the last two weeks. Um, Nick, you did a video on YouTube kind of talking about the controversy. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, go and watch Nick's video on YouTube. But, Nick, you're going to have your fun in a minute. So, for now, you kind of have to give a bit of credit to Milan, don't you? They held on for so, so long, and they were kind of unjustly undone by the end of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
when Juventus put that first goal in and even after that, it looked like they were really going to go on with it. So it was just a matter of when and how many at one stage for Juventus. And we just kept waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden, a quick counter, uh, Gerard Delefeo down the wing and pushed it to Carlos Baca. And then all of a sudden, we had a one-all scoreline at half time. Even then, I was kind of thinking to myself, okay, they've done really well to get this far at a draw. Um, one of the Milan fans that on Twitter was saying that, you know, it would be great to get to halftime one, only one nil down. So to be at halftime one all was great. And then it just kept getting closer and closer to 90 minutes. The, the quality in the second half wasn't, oh, God. <laughs> the quality in the second half wasn't great by any means, and I'm sure Juventus won't be happy with uh, their general play and probably their lack of finishing. But, yeah, no, credit to Milan. They weren't in the game for a lot of the time, but um, they were there, I mean, result-wise. So they tried their best to hold on. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's heartbreak the way it happened. And you've got to feel sorry, particularly, um, as I mentioned in the video on YouTube, for Donnarumma, given the incredible game that he had. You just felt so sorry for the lad and he had to be the one that, you know, saw the ball go past him for the penalty with Dybala. But, you know, as I, as I kind of mentioned in the video, it, it's it's a heartbreaking way to lose. There's no to lose. There's no doubt. But on the balance of play, Juventus were by far the better team. So, And there is still that kind of controversy with uh, the offside goal. Possibly Milan's was slightly offside as well. So there's two, to me, there's two 50-50 decisions it is what it is, and I don't really see there being too much controversy. I think it was a fair result. Yeah, the result probably was fair in the end, and it is nice to hear someone say that Milan's goal was probably offside because nobody seems to be acknowledging <laughs> that for some reason. Um, it fits the narrative, I guess. But Luca, Carlos Baca scored again. Um, he's hitting a little bit of form at the moment. Just how important do you think he is to... Milan's success. I know they've got Lapadula as well, but Carlos Bach is a level above. So if they are to return to European football, how important is Carlos Bach staying at the club? Yeah, as you said, he's a level above Lapadula, who's quite endearing because he runs around a lot and seems to, to give everything. But he's not got that kind of natural ability of backer. That was a very tidy little finish on the break that he took against Juve. And yeah, I think he certainly is. Crucial, but I think he's also benefiting now from um, Delefeu again, who came in in January. I mentioned him last week, and I think it was Delefeu again with the assist. It's just that that certain degree of pace that Delefeu has, it kind of draws defenders onto him, gives a bit more space for backer. And I think, yeah, he had some struggles this season, but even I think even through them, he was still contributing. He was still generally being picked for the, the team as the first choice. And now Delfeu helping to say him up, he's back and back in long calls. Yeah. Um, we're not going to, as I said, we're not going to talk about the referee, but Luca, maybe we'll talk a bit about what happened because of the referee. Um, did you see slash hear about the antics in the Milan changing room after the game? Uh, yeah. Well, I think they, they took out their anger on it after Backer himself had been restrained at the touchlines and there were rumours of them putting graffiti up on the walls, but I don't know if that's been verified or anything. But yeah, it's just a good old-fashioned take out your anger on the opposition changing room. 
Yeah, so, right, what are the rumors then? What are they supposed to have done? What are they supposed to have written on what? And what did they smash, apparently? So, go ahead. Well, I don't know what they smashed. I know they were supposed to have written thieves on one of the sort of ceremonial stars that Juve had won on one of the more controversial years. But I don't know what they smashed. Can you... They wrote Thieves on that title that Juventus don't have, but claim one of the two. And um, I think that's proven I'm not a Juventus fan. And I th- they just smashed lamps or something as well. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, Carlos Baca has been handed a one-game ban, I think, for basically trying to fight the referee, but which I thought was funny when Montella got up in his face. Um, right. Let's move on to the next game then. Uh, you can probably tell Nick's smiling by the tone of my voice where we're going. We're going to the San Siro where Inter beat Atalanta 7-1. Um, in a word, to be honest, clinical is the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Inter. Uh, they scored with their first five shots on target, which it doesn't happen. It, that just doesn't happen. But Nick, take it away. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I was in shock for most of that first half. Um, as you said, it, it, just, it just doesn't happen as it did. Um, Inter were just unbelievable on the ball. Um, they looked so good. They were quick, effective uh, with their passes and that kind of that aggressive nature of Atalanta's midfield. It just, it, it was like Inter were ready for it and just had a quick counter for every time, every challenge. And they were just so, I mean, so easily in a lot of circumstances able to just get around the defence and and Atalanta were left short at the, uh, at the back uh, quite a number of times. And most of all, um, it was just, yeah, as you said, I, I, I can't think of a better word, clinical, but bl- brutally clinical. Um, you know, I've seen interplay so many games where they've created so many more chances but haven't scored two goals, let alone let alone seven. So I, after the fifth one went in, I was really, I was, which is weird. I, I can't say I've ever held this feeling, but I actually felt quite bad for Atalanta because they, it's, it wasn't as if they were playing badly per se. Inter very much had, had their measure, but they just, I, I, I don't feel like the way they came out um, deserved deserve that much of a thrashing and Inter just, really didn't care. They were just brutal. And, you know, from an inter side, fantastic, um, amazing, you know, uh, maybe the only disappointment was Lenny in that one goal, which was an error from probably Gary Medell um, sliding in there. I'm not sure what he was doing. But to to try and, um, I guess, take some positives out of this for Atalanta, I don't, the, the scoreline suggests so much more of, of a thrashing than I really think it was, given that, particularly given the, the, circumst- the situation that Atalanta's in this season, they've come out and they will go to the likes of Naples and they will come out and play. And that takes balls. And, you know, teams, it, teams to do what Atalanta do in, at the San Paolo, they will get thrashed 7-0 almost every week. Atalanta, of course, won that game 2-0. But this was a game, okay, Inter was very much ready for, for Atalanta's midfield. Condogbia and Gagliardini, 
um, were incredible in midfield. Um, that was possibly Condogbia's. He won't get many headlines, but p- probably his best game for he, Inter. He completely shut out Frank Kessie. Yeah, Frank Kessie was just, yeah, not sane, um, which is an impressive feat. So maybe this is a coming age for, for Condogbia, which would be uh, great news for Inter. But, you know, the, Inter had their measure. They, they were brutal, but... I don't think Atalanta, there's nothing they should change. They should go to the very next game and play that exact same game. You know, it's, I, do, I just, I don't think that it's, it's as bad as the scoreline reads. I'm trying, I'm trying like. I'm it, actually it, completely yeah. relieved that you've said that because I was coming on here and I was going to try and make that point. And I was kind of thinking about it all day and I think I'm going to come across as mental because <laughs> there wasn't six goals in that. I checked the um, the stats at one point during it and Atalanta had more possession. And yeah. I think it was about 5-0. So th- the fact that Inter were so clinical was the mm-hmm. difference. Like how often does a team score with their first five shots on target? Like yeah. that just never happens. And again, it is important to stress that this result has to be taken in isolation when you look at the season. Um, Papa Gomez came out after the game on like Facebook and Instagram and was saying, we're not going to hide. We had a bad game, but that does not destroy everything we've done so far. Yeah. We're all really angry and it will serve as a lesson. We will fight to the end to achieve our goal with the humility we have always had, which you can't fault anything he said there because and the fans as well, which I thought was lovely, a really nice touch. The fans showed up at Zingonia, the training complex, to welcome them back. Amazing. With flares Amazing. and applause, as they have done when they beat Bologna away and when they beat Napoli at the San Paolo. Just to, I think the message was very much, look, we're still having an absolute dream of a season. This doesn't change that. They're still two points ahead of Milan um, and on track to get a top six finish, which would be crazy if you looked at Atalanta at the start of the season. But yeah, the, for me, it's much better. Someone tweeted me this, that it's much better to lose one game 7-1 than to lose 7-1-0. And they've got Pescara next, which is a great opportunity to bounce back. And yeah, the difference, there wasn't six goals in the difference. Inter just took their chances and yeah, were well, as I mean, cold-blooded as you can imagine. But Nick, continue. Yeah, you, you can, you just look at Inter's shot count. Atalanta only conceded 13 total shots. If you look at all the games Inter's played in 2017, only twice Inter have had less shots in a game. One was against Juventus, and that was 12 shots, and one was against Udinese, which was back in early January. Every other game, Inter's producing more shots on goal. They're creating more chances. So (laughs) there was actually less almost attacking opportunities in a way for Inter in this match. So, you know, it was very much, to me, it was one in mid well, firstly, in midfield, when you look at um, Inter's with the tackles, they had uh, they made 20 out of their 30 attempts, whereas Atalanta only made six out of their 18 attempts. And interceptions, something Atalanta is first in the league for. They were down um, to 14. Their dribbles weren't that successful. They um, had more unsuccessful dribbles than successful, where Inter had 12 successful and only three unsuccessful. So Inter were so clinical in all aspects from midfield up to offence. And it put Atalanta off. It, it was hard for them to to really make have it a, a big effect. And look, Atalanta moves on. 
doesn't change anything but the a small little change in the table. Enter goes up one position, which is nice. So, um, yeah, I'd, it's 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 disappointing in a way that that Atalanta was embarrassed in this way because you know you, you can just imagine football fans who wouldn't be familiar with Serie A would just see that scoreline and think oh Atalanta who's this you know but it's you know there's so much more to the story which mm. is I'm telling you I had to face a lot of that on Sunday there's um yeah a lot of people will know that I'm an Atalanta fan not from this but just from around whatever um and it seems like people that I hadn't spoken to in months we're literally when they bumped into me, they'd be like, What's happened to Atalanta today? Are, are they gonna get relegated this year? I said, No. <laughs> they were actually ahead of Inter before today's game. Um and then I, I kept thinking it's so strange that this has happened in the season when the defense has been the really important thing. But then as you said, they didn't even concede that many chances. But no. These things happen, I guess. So we'll we'll move on and um we're going to cheer things up a little bit by talking about the Derby della Lanterna. As you can guess from Luca's clothes. I'm not sure if you can see it. Luca, sit back for a bit. Yeah, there we go. You can tell whose side Luca's on here. But Luca, um, Luis Muriel just loves playing against Genoa, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he just loves playing for Sampdoria at the minute. He did an interview recently with the like club's in-house TV channel just talking about being there. It's just changed his life, the support he gets sent out of the club, and he's just really been um, just on fire. Like Dinesa, he kind of lost his way. He was a top talent after he was at Lecce. He was a promising young player, but he just wasn't really doing it there. But now Sampdoria have a sort of great attacking front three. They can talk between with him and Quagliarella and Chick. And I think he's always had these kind of weight problems recently, but he's just doing so well in to get that goal in the derby must be like just a really nice, special, personal moment for him. Yeah, it's all going well. Sam Dura in form at the minute, but should we talk more specifically about the derby? You got any, any questions there? Or? Um, not particularly, but th- there was a stat. You will probably know this to hand. Um, that's Sam Dura's first derby double in how long is it? Since 1960. That's incredible. Um, have you got anything prepared on the derby that you want to talk about in particular? Um, not really. I think it was just kind of like it wasn't really a brilliant quality game. The first half was quite slow, and I think Genoa were probably the better team. I think Gianpaolo kind of set Sampdoria up to frustrate them, and then push on in the second half when when he brings Schick on for quite a round. Schick looked incredible in that. They, they had a couple of two uh, two dribbles down the right when. One of them, if he'd finished it, would have probably been like the goal of the season. But he certainly looks like a a great, great talent who's sort of come from nowhere as that super sub role. And I suppose there'll be a lot of big teams sniffing around him in a minute. But I saw a little anecdote that some Sampdoria fans were that were sharing, where um, there was this Genoa fan on a forum complaining about uh, how he'd been in the some bands down the side and. Uh, all the little Genoa kids were taking photos of the the Sampdoria choreography rather than the Genoa one because it had all the fireworks and things. So they were moaning a bit about that. But yeah, Genoa like had something. I wrote something on them recently, but they're just really struggling. I think they've used the most players in Serie A in the last five years or something. 
which is some doing, especially with teams like Udinese, they're constantly rotating their squad. And I think the fans released a statement after, and they didn't want to like speak to the players when they came over. But yeah, it was, it was another good spe- spectacle, as the derby always is in the stadium, with it being full and the choreography at both ends. But yeah, Sampdoria are in form at the moment. Now they've um, lost in seven, I don't think, and uh, I think they won five of them and drew two. And, if they picked up a few more points when perhaps they should have earlier in the season, they could perhaps be aiming at Europe, but it's a positive end to the campaign for them. Yeah, leave the European talk to the big boys this season, Luca. But um, I did see a stat that I think Samp have 41 points now, uh, he says, as he checks the Serie A table in the most perfect. Yeah, they have 41 points, which is more than they picked up in the whole of last season which is remarkable, but um, you spoke about Patrick Schick. He's been phenomenal for Samp this year, and the only surprise, really, is that he keeps coming off the bench and not starting more often. So there were scouts from Borussia Dortmund and Chelsea, I believe, at the game on Saturday. So if he moves to one of these clubs, or if he moves to any big club, what can fans of that club expect from him? Because... He was lively when he came on. He nearly scored. But Luca, tell people what he's all about for those who mightn't necessarily watch Samp that often. Uh, it's kind of hard to say in a way because he, he, does, he doesn't look the same player when he starts. I think he does benefit from Quagliarella kind of doing a lot of the heavy lifting for him. And then it's a straight swap. I think Gianpaolo has that system where it's Quagliarella, Muriel, Schick, and they all play and he comes off the benches. It's sort of for free, but... He's just got this. He's good on the ball, basically. He's not someone who's going to get in front of him when they're ahead of it. Like, technically, for a striker, he sort of beats his man, gets through, and finishes on one on one chances. That's that's what he's been doing. And in that general game, he was really, like, really looked like he backed himself every time when he was on the ball. He was sort of rolling it, a bit of skill. We can flip the ball, sort of nutmegs, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or against Bologna, when he scored straight after coming on, it's just that run past the the last man just getting straight through and finishing from there. But I, I suppose, like, perhaps quite a lot of these young players in Italy, it would be nicer for him to just sort of stay where he is for the time being and keep developing. Just he's he's been looking so good, but the, he's been looking so good, you, you wouldn't really begrudge him moving. But with him not necessarily starting for Sampdoria, then being this super sub, you perhaps want to see what he does when he actually can make that starting but for Sampdoria, he's own first rather than moving off to some big club, expecting to be the superstar, struggling there and then perhaps sort of stagnating. Because he, he's really sort of exploded from nowhere kind of after coming from, I think, Sparta Prague after a loan at Bohemians in the Czech Republic. But yeah, he certainly seems a very, very sensible buy from Sampdoria and of course much and just young talent. He's just great to watch and I think the fans have really taken him to him. He's because they, they like his name, because it sounds like chic in French. So they've got banners and stuff for him. And yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't want to stay for a, for a while longer, especially with the form that Santoro have been in recently. Yeah, OK. Um, we, we're we going to move on to Sassuolo Bologna now. We cover Bologna a little bit, because Luca watches them all the time. But um, we've, been, we've had a request specifically to look at Sassuolo, because we haven't really this year. But... To be honest, we haven't had much reason to. We've looked at them previously because they were the team kind of taking Serie A by storm. But obviously this year it's 
Atalanta and then to a lesser extent Torino who have been exciting people. Torino are actually behind Sampdoria in the table now, I've just noticed, which is astonishing considering how hyped Torino are at points. But um, anyway, that's a tangent. Sassuolo, uh, Nick, I believe you've got some stats prepared on this, but they're 13th at the moment with 31 points. And any other year, they'd be in a bit of trouble because there's a group of teams there on 31 points like Cagliari and Bologna. And then Genoa on 29. But um, obviously with the bottom three being cut so far adrift, they're safe for this year. But what's happening there this season? And why isn't it working as it has in the past? I think the, the most obvious answer to that is the fact that they've been contesting Europe, uh, the Europa League this season for such a, for what is, you know, realistically a relatively small club for Italy, um, for Italy's standards, competing in that whole nother level and juggling that with the Italian um, leagues, well, league and Coppa Italia, I guess. Um, it's, it's, it's a completely new, um, completely new thing to manage and it, it's hard for a squad that's never experienced that. You know, there, there's not a lot of European experience in that squad. So that's first and foremost that was always going to be a bit of an issue and I guess going into the season there was a big question mark whether Sassuolo could realistically stay up in that kind of element pushing for a Europa League position again given that they would have that extra workload this season but to be honest they haven't had a great deal of luck Um, they've had a number of injuries uh, particularly of late uh, uh, Francesco Magnanelli's injury the I think he did a cruciate ligament, um, was a massive blow for them. He was their uh, top passer of the ball. He was their top tackler and he was their second top in interception. So he was very much working that midfield in a big part of that team, as in the heart of that team. So he was an incredible loss. But then generally speaking, they've just had a big turnover. They haven't been able to keep a consistent squad, be it from injury or somewhat of a rotation, again, because of, the extra competition. So you you look at uh, Francesco Acerbi, whose last season was arguably. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One of the standout um, defenders in the league, and while he hasn't been bad this season by any means, he's, I mean, he's had a handful of uh, partners in centre-back. Um, you've had Luca Ante, um, who's been out. Um, Paolo Cannavaro is there now. Um, Timo, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. Leshert has a, had a few games. Um, Federico Peluso, even in some varied formations, was kind of partnering uh, in that defence. So there's been a lot of diff, uh, changeovers in that squad. So you can understand how if, if, you, if your team's inconsistent, then the results are going to be that way too. So it's it's tough, and I've got I've got a great stat here, so everyone can prepare themselves don't, for this. Don't build it up too much. Oh no, I am. This is this is one of my best stats. Okay. So okay, here we go. So this season, so far, eighteen of Sassuolo's players have played over eight hundred minutes of football. Now, to put this into perspective, so Juventus have fifteen players. Napoli, 14, Roma, 15, Inter, 16, Lazio, 14, and Atalanta, who have obviously been the big surprise this season, only 12 players have played over 800 minutes. How many did Sassuolo have, remind us? 18. Okay, right. Now, just to put this into more context, so that gives you an idea of how much kind of players they're going through. Now, we're only 28 weeks into the season, the entire Serie A season last year, well, last season, I should say, sorry, Sassuolo used only 15 players with more than 800 minutes of football, the entire season. So that gives you the biggest contrast of the difference with this Sassuolo squad this season. And I guess it explains a lot of um, the results that we're getting because, you know, whether it's that lack of inconsistency on the pitch or just fatigue, whatever it might be, they're, they're definitely struggling to, to put a consistent team on week to week and that's always going to show, it doesn't matter what team you are, that's always going to show in the results and on the pitch. So, you know, it's when you actually look at the results, actually, it's not the difference between this point last year, uh, they had 11 wins at the moment they have nine wins. So you look at that and you think, well, it's only two less wins. It's not that bad. The major difference is they had 11 draws last season. This season they only have four draws and 15 losses. So those games that they were in and they were fighting for, they're now losing basically. So they're they're not able to hold on for those results here and there. And that's been the main difference. And that possibly, again, goes back to the fatigue. Um, and at the moment, I mean, you can't really blame them for possibly having a lack of motivation at this stage where, as you mentioned, Connor, they're pretty much safe from any kind of relegation given the the gap between the bottom three teams. But there's not really much to play for in that in that kind of middle sector there. So 
Um, you know, it hasn't been the best season, but I'm sure they'll be looking to kind of set some kind of a foundation for next season so they can try and, you know, the key for them is now not to keep going backwards. They need to try and push back to the top half of Serie A and stay there in a sustainable way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I read that they're 13 points worth off at this stage compared to the equivalent point last season, which I think is the worst in the league out of all the teams in Serie A last year. But to be honest, it's probably kind of natural for Sassuolo to be in that that position. Like they're, they're not someone who you would expect to be competing for Europe. They're like traditionally a Serie D team. They're not, they're not a big hitter in Serie A. And what they did, last year so all these young Italian players is really quite extraordinary so to expect too much more from them is probably a bit unfair and it's probably going to be a bit hard for the players to keep up that kind of level of ambition and motivation I think after the Bologna game Di Francesco was kind of complaining that the players weren't as motivated as they have been but I think that's sort of understandable and to be to be honest you're probably also going to expect that Di Francesco is not going to hang around too much longer. He's been linked with Roma quite a lot as a former player. Mm-hmm. I think Fiorentina seems kind of like a logical place for him to go. But yeah, as Nick said, I think they, they rotate a lot through necessity and also the fact they've got quite a lot of interesting young players. So I think they do want to give them a game and help them develop. And that doesn't necessarily help. And I think they've got quite a poor record in, um, in defending leads when they do go up. But yeah, that sort of Europa League hangover, it's not something they would have expected to be dealing with. They struggled in Europe for the most part, but they did get some sort of extraordinary results in beating Bilbao 3-0. But yeah, it's Sassuolo, really. You can't really expect them to consistently be that kind of team that's pushing up above. And like, if anyone really is a role model for a club of their stature, it's probably going to be Chievo in being a very small club that just consistently punches above its weight and stays in the league. I don't think you can really expect too much more from Sassuolo. Just the fact that they've had all these good young Italian players and that's given them sort of this ability to push above their weight a bit. But they've lost Sansone, Berard has been injured a lot. And then when he's been back, there's been more pressure on him. But for them to still be comfortably safe this year is still an achievement. It's just sort of how they can manage to keep doing that on a consistent basis going into the future, especially if the Francesco leave, which will be the, the, the real question, really. Yeah, I'll stick with you for the De Francesco question, which is what I was going to throw over to you a minute ago. Do you think he's going to be there next year? Um, there's a lot of links, as you said, with Roma, uh, Fiorentina. Again, you mentioned it is a natural step up for him, but he's been there a while now, and for a long time he was very much seen as the next best thing he was only a matter of what seemed like signing a paper away from going to Milan at one point but Luca do you think he's going to be with Sassuolo next year? Uh, Just as a sort of hunch I would say no I don't really see what would keep him at Sassuolo I don't really see what more he has to, to prove there and I think in interviews he sort of said that he'll speak with Sassuolo about his future he wouldn't rule out a move especially if a bigger club comes and I assume he would want to test himself and I assume he backs himself that I guess yeah it's I, I don't know about Roma I don't, I don't know if Roma would necessarily be the ideal choice but I think Fiorentina with where they they are at the moment as they're just sort of chugging along to the end of the season where they could be I think just 
on a personal point of view, that seems to be where I would expect them to end up. But, but yeah, I, I can't really see them staying at Sassuolo too much longer. Okay. Um, Lazio Torino. Lazio beat Torino 3 1. But it wasn't as comfortable as the scoreline might suggest. It was they went one up and then the evergreen Maxi Lopez popped up with a goal. I couldn't believe that Maxi Lopez was even on the pitch and why that he scored. But um, then it was two late goals that eventually won it for Lazio. But um, that takes them back up into fourth. They temporarily dropped out of there with Inter's win, I think. Um, but yeah, so is it? Nick, a straight shootout now between Lazio and Inter for fourth place? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, again, not to, you know, pat myself on the back, but to me it's always been between Lazio and Inter for fourth, fourth and fifth. I think um, the top three is very much um, set. I, I think they're a class above. And as I've kind of mentioned, in, in the nicest possible way. And I don't want to – I would not like to um, put any bias towards AC Milan fans by any means, just to put it out there. <laughs> <You're just covering laughs> for, for the listeners, um, we got accused of being very anti-AC Milan last week. And to be, I don't really know where it came from other than you, Nick. So, yeah, you can take – continue. Yeah, but, you know, look, I'll always try and be objective, but – Look, I, d- I honestly think um, Atalanta, AC Milan and Fiorentina um, simply aren't as consistent um, as Lazio and Inter. And I think it's, yeah, I, you know, and as I said last week, I actually picked Lazio to, to defeat Inter purely because at that time I thought they were just more consistent, more of a consistent team. So, you know, they've they got a bit closer than they would have liked, I'm sure. Um, they completely dominated the game, to be honest. Um, 23 shots to six, 61% possession. Um, they probably should have put it away a lot earlier than they did. And it looked like that draw might happen. But um, Kater Bowl, they'd pretty much single-handedly just oh. um, put that game away. And what a way to do it. And yeah, if, you haven't, if you haven't seen that goal... Give it a watch because it is great. Um, Even just, um, Felipe Anderson's, I think it was. I think he got the third. It yeah, was yeah. a great counter attack, exactly, uh, as yeah. you'd expect to kind of score when you're two one up in the last minute. But, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, it, the three one scoreline kind of. I mean, Torino. It doesn't um, show what the, what the match actually, how close the match was, because Torino obviously when they went two one down after Caterbolle's goal. We're pushing and then, you know, it's just a, a matter of a quick counter to put the game away for good. So Torino, yeah, it's it would be disappointing to lose at the end. But, you know, again, it's one of those games where Lazio were by far and away the better team. So, Yeah, definitely. Lazio should have been. The game could have been over by halftime, really. Yeah. But then once it wasn't, that's when it looked like it might slip away from them. But uh, we'll move to the very bottom of Serie A now. And we have said today and several times before that the bottom three is set. But just throwing Empoli into the mix, they're on 22 points. Is there any chance they could drop down? Because they are dreadful. They are. They have, um, there was a stat. Let me get it up for you about how few goals they've scored. So... Andrea Bellotti, Mauro Icardi, Edin Dzeko, Gonzalo Higuain, Dries Martins, and Chiro Immobile. 
have scored more goals than Empoli in Serie A this season. Um, they have 15 goals, which is awful, absolutely awful, and they deserve to get relegated with that. I was, I was going to throw out the question, can we just force them down to Serie B and get spal up already? But um, <laughs> Yeah, Nick, is there any chance they could get sucked into it? I mean, yeah, there's there's a chance if you need Palermo or Cotone to put a, put a, two wins together, just two wins together, and it's straight away it's there's a result in it. So, but that's um, that's easier said than done, given that I mean, between those clubs, they haven't had a win um, in the last what, three matches. Um, the top four, the bottom four teams, sorry. So. Um, it's it's incredible that a team playing as badly as Empoli are possibly going to be safe from relegation. So, um, but then, yeah, who? I mean, you say you know if if they should go down, but then who would you keep up? Um, Palermo, who have just been, I mean, annoying a lot of people. And my apologies for any Palermo fans, but I mean, I mean they. <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe with uh, I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm going to get a Palermo fan on my back <laughs> every week. Um, yeah, but you know, I mean, they've just kind of stuck around. They haven't done anything. Um, Crotone, I mean, they haven't. The quality is just Pescara and Crotone. Really, the quality is just completely lacking. I'd love for Crotone to stay up, given purely because they're Calabrese side which is where my family is from. So it's good to see Southern Italian teams up there, but the, the quality is just not there. I suppose Empoli yeah. uh, being so safe is just the strongest advert you can have for an 18-team Serie A, but it's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose Palermo could perhaps make it vaguely interesting if they win a couple, but otherwise you just don't see it happening. And that, that Empoli team is still safe with its incredible lack of goals. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Palermo. Maybe it's just because they've they've kind of done this before. They've looked dead and buried and stayed up. Yeah. But there's, I've got a sneaky feeling that they're going to do it. If anyone's going to it. Um... I wouldn't be surprised if Empoli didn't pick up another point between now and the end of the season. They're playing so badly. <laughs> they're, just, they're just not scoring goals. Um, it was like 15 in 28 games. It's, it's really pathetic. Like Crotone have 21. You know, so for Crotone to have scored six more goals than you, it's embarrassing. And I'm sorry to Palermo fans because me saying this definitely now means you will not stay up. But I don't know. I just have a feeling that they, they might make it a bit more interesting. Well, actually, to look at Palermo's run home, teams they play include Udinese, Cagliari, um, who else we got? Genoa, okay, no. but then they actually play Pescara and Empoli in the last two matches of the season. So it's going to happen. Like they've, they've they're got, all teams that got have them, nothing yeah. to play for. Exactly. So they almost beat Sampdoria in form as well. Like, it should be a tough trip for anyone really to go to Sicily. If they get a sniff of that, they could be safe. Then they could really lift them, but. New president. Yeah, they're just minutes away from that against Sampdoria. But I think it's Nestorovsky. If he can bag a few, as he has done in the mm-hmm. poor team, they, they might have some hope. And yeah, as you said, it's kind of feasible for Empoli to just never score at all again this season and lose every game. So 
perhaps it could be interesting over in the in the end. We I'm just seeing some comments that have been left on the um on the YouTube live stream. Whatever way we record this, they don't come up in the sidebar, but there seems to be a lot of positivity about Juventus. Um Roberto Beswick thinks they will win the Champions League and says Forza Juve. That's his words, not mine. And um, yeah, that's basically it. And apparently a lot of the Italian TV networks were saying that it wasn't a penalty, but we've, we've covered that earlier on. But um, that's it for Serie A. We're going to go to the best part of the show, especially this week, because we're going to Serie B, where Spal are bloody top. Luca, take it away. Sorry, the microphone just jammed there for a sec. But yeah, as, as you said, they are they are top. They're, they're two points clear. And this is a team that was only refounded in 2013 after financial problems and got promoted back into the league this year. Their name was Survival. Now, now they're top as we approach the business end. It's really quite remarkable. I think they've got an all-Italian 11. They haven't lost since, I think, the week before Christmas. Now the stadiums are sold out all the time and... Uh, the mayor's turning up to all the games and all the the people in Ferrara are turning up on their bikes because it's the city of bicycles in uh, <laughs> Emilia-Romagna. And yeah, I think they got a sort of, sort of slightly big name front too of Mirko Antonucci and um, oh God, what's his name? The, the one that's on from Bologna in January, his name, I forgot. That. But uh, yeah, they're, they're certainly just, they just keep winning. I think they've got a um, real feel-good factor when they played away at Verona, they had a fan fall out of the stand, which was a sort of worrying thing. But then I think they've said that it sort of helped to, to draw them together as they kind of got like reminded of something serious and then it turned out to be okay. And that sort of brought the fans and the players all together. And then Moret in goal from um, Udinese is one of the best young Italian goalkeepers around. There's a few of them, but he's like been really coming on leaps and bounds at Spau and he seems to have a very bright future and he, you would expect him to be turning up in Serie A sooner or later. And um, for the heart of defence, I've got uh, Bonifazzi on loan from Torino. Uh, it's not like Torino could use a good defender, but he's a promising young <laughs> defender and he's been like just really looking the part in Serie B at Spau and then sort of on the other end of the career, they've got uh, Cremonese up to take Cotone up last year and now he's moved along to Spau and he seems to be doing the same thing again and it's just yeah it's just yeah. really remarkable story it'll be interesting to see if they can hold out and and get back up to Serie A as one of the kind of famous old names of Italian football and before these Italian players have got quite a lot of youth I suppose if they do go up there could be a bit of a danger as well but they've got a fair few loanies so perhaps they they could uh do what Pescara did when they were a great Serie B team and then they lost all the the best players who were on loan but yeah it's just as I said like this team wasn't uh, financially secured just a few years ago refound in 2013 first time they've been back in Serie B since uh, 1992 and for them to have a chance of going back up when just survival would have been a good enough achievement is really just a Another good little story coming up from Serie B where it's all still quite competitive at the, the top. Yeah, I think um, Cristiano Del Grosso is on loan there from Atalanta as well. And the striker you were struggling to name is Sergio Flaccari, isn't it? From Bologna, formerly of Sassuolo fame. Um, Nick, did you see a 
YouTube comment slash question that you wanted to throw to us? Nick, your mic's off, you fucking moron. <laughs> I'm so happy that's happened. Um, someone just asked, why doesn't Connor admit he supports Juve? By someone along the names of Nick. Because <laughs> I fucking don't. Um, piss off. Uh, the... Right. Um, is that it? Anything else? That you... <laughs> you made me swear. I got through the whole podcast until you at the end. Like, oh, I got three in about 10 seconds there. Oh, guys, any other business? Roma um... out of the Europa League. Yeah, they are, but they're they're Roma. <laughs> are we going to talk about them? I, I kind of we've spoken about them a fair bit. That I didn't just overlook Roma and Napoli. Um, Roma played Palermo, and Napoli played Crotone. I didn't feel it was that worth talking about. But yeah, Roma Europa League. Anyone? I mean, you're not really surprised. I they're always no. It, it's Roma. Um, yeah. <laughs> It almost feels harsh, but it just isn't. Um, I'll probably do it and then concede in stoppage time or something, find some novel way to throw it away. No, they go 3-0 up um, after about 10 minutes and then do a Roma like they did in the first leg. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much that, Nick. YouTube and Patreon roundups there, please. Okay. If anyone is not already subscribed <laughs> to FIFTV, you're such a dick. <laughs> please go on to YouTube, um, search for Forza Italian Football, and you will find lots of content that's up there. Some of it featuring myself. Please don't get put too put off by that. Um, we're basically putting as much as we can on around big matches in Serie. Um, we'll look at a few different topics. Um, I've got one about Inter, just a few um, facts kind of after their 109th birthday last week. Um, what else have we got? I'm going to have one on Juve in the next in the coming weeks. We'll um, we'll also be um, that's I won't I won't give too many hints away on that, but that'll be a, a controversial one, let's say. Vieri's um, been doing. Out there, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Are we going to do anything while we're out there? Well, we, yes, um, we're, a couple a couple of the team will be in Italy in the coming weeks too, so I'm sure we'll try and get some content live um, from Italy, from possibly Naples, from Rome. So we'll um, be sure to check out them um, in the coming weeks. Uh, Vieri's been doing his team of the weeks as always, and, yeah, just get on. Um, the best way is to subscribe so then you know whenever we publish anything it's out there. Um, and if you're feeling generous, if you like any of the content and you want to help us produce more, because we do volunteer our time for this, um, please go onto Patreon and give as little or as much as you can or would like to, because anything helps us, uh, basically improve our equipment and improve our overall content. So that's all we're basically looking to do. So we appreciate any kind of assistance. Yeah, um, as we touched on there, myself, Nick, and a, a few others, Katarina as well, um, we'll be going out to the second leg of the Coppa Italia semi-finals. So we'll be going to the, the Rome derby, Rome against Lazio and Napoli against Torino. So 
if there's any ideas that you'd like us to do and cover on the YouTube channel, just give us a shout. Did you just say Napoli against Torino? Torino? Did I say Napoli against Torino? <laughs> you did. Sorry, wow. I was probably not the, the, my, my preferred club in Turin. Napoli against Juventus. Well, maybe you're not a Juve fan after all. Jeez. Maybe not. It's taken you this long to work that out, has it? But yeah, so on the site this week, I wrote about Inter and how they are more so than Milan, definitely, on their way back to competing at the top. Nick, you'll probably be happy to see an article praising Inter up on the site. Vito Doria has written, and it will be published ASAP, about Roma and their youth academy, I think. Um, Kev P will be writing about Palermo's new president, who, I don't know if you guys have seen him, have you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he looks like a character. Yeah, apparently um, a few of the Roma Ultras showed up at his hotel room. Roma? At, or what is Roma? Roma, did I say Roma? A few of the Palermo Ultras showed up God. at his hotel room, <laughs> woke him up at 2am and told him to get a Palermo tattoo if he really loved the club. Um, I said Palermo that time, so you can't correct me. And Marco Jackson will be writing about Cesena and their 1976 season when they... Played in the UEFA Cup. Uh, Luca, do you want to sign off with anything? Anything coming up from you? Uh, well, I haven't actually written anything, but I guess I could do something on Calgary <laughs> when they won the Scudetto. They've got um, some new commemorative shirts out. If uh, anyone wants to buy them, I think they're going for north of 100 euros, but they look quite nice. There you go. We'll get you on that. That'll be up by Friday. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I'm not going to give Nick the chance to shout out his Twitter handle this week because of his antics last week. But um, I'm at Concalcio and Luca is at Gumbizono. But that's it for this week. Nick, um, it pains me to do this, but Inter are going to have the outro song. It's only right this week after what happened. But until we speak to you again next week, it's ciao for now. No sei per un gol, io darei la vita, la mia vita, che in fondo lo so, sarà una partita infinita. Il sogno che ho è un coro che sale a sognare. Il sole nel vento, la mia festa è 
Flexibility, take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 